When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Sox Beat podcast presented by CLNS Media. That's your leading online audio and video provider for Major League Baseball. I'm the host of the show, Chris Cotillo, Red Sox Beat reporter for MassLive.com. This is the October 18th version of the show, a big day. Happy birthday to Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox, and <laughs> to my mom, Jeannie Cotillo. Um, it's always, I can always remember the manager's birthday because it is my mother. So happy birthday to both of them who are not the same age. Cora's a little bit younger. Uh, have to have to mention that. Uh, we have someone who is very familiar to the show on this week to discuss, you know, a very slow, pretty much week in, in Red Sox baseball, but a big week in, in baseball as a whole. It's my colleague, Christopher Smith. We call him Chris from MassLive.com. How is your offseason treating you, Chris? Awesome. And I'd like to add one more happy birthday out there. It would be to Red Sox prospect Josh Akami. It's his birthday as well. Wow. This guy has it all. <laughs> so, yeah, the big three, Cora, Akami, and Jeannie Cotillo have the birthdays on October 18th. Uh, a good day to record a podcast. And actually, for the first time in a few weeks, we actually had Red Sox news today. Uh, I was on a flight and landed to the blockbuster move the Red Sox made today. Kind of a, uh, that's a joke, kind of a, a very predictable move that we thought we'd see at some point during the offseason. But the Stephen Wright era is over in Boston. The Red Sox released a knuckleballer after seven seasons today. You know, everybody knows exactly you know the whole Stephen Wright story. Basically, he was really effective in All-Star in 2016. Had a knee injury in 2017, had the same procedure as Dustin Pedroia did. Uh, once he came back last year, he was pretty effective. And, and um, after coming back from both the injury and a suspension for violating Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy, he was effective last year, was going to be a big piece of the playoff roster. Um, right before ALDS Game 1, he felt knee pain again, was taken off the roster later that uh, that day. Uh, didn't pitch then, came into spring training as a guy who we didn't really know about his health, was hit with an 80-game steroid suspension in spring training, did not return until halfway through the season, lasted only uh, a few games before, and this is the only only player to ever have, for this to ever happen to in Major League history, gets hit in the toe with a comebacker, and as a result, is a candidate for Tommy John surgery somehow. Um, during his rehab, he hurt his elbow. So They're all connected. Uh, apparently at that at this point you know it just was the case of you know there's been too many injuries two big suspensions for for two serious things um obviously different context on both of those situations but the red sox looked at this as an easy way to save about a million and a half as they try to reset under that 208 million dollar threshold and i guess they just decided let's cut bait uh, sooner than later 
Yeah. So when you look at money, I mean, obviously they've got to do a lot more than cut one and a half million dollars if they want to get under 208, because, you know, what they what they need to do is they need to subtract a lot so they can still add because they need a fifth starter. They need, you know, they need a reliever. They need they've got to figure out the first base, second base situation where, where they want to go there. Yeah. So obviously there's, you know, the the big subtraction will either be. You know, Mookie's close to $30 million in arbitration or, you know, J.D. Martinez's money that will come off the books if they don't re-sign him. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at it, but every little bit counts, too, because, you know, you look at, you know, two years ago and or 2017 when the Red Sox, you know, didn't want to get above the the you know, the CBT of that year and stuff like that. When you get to the trade then, uh, deadline, every million helps, you know, to stay under, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to add a reliever or if you want to add a, uh, another hitter, uh, that, that money counts. So even though it's not that significant, you know, what they, what they have to do is, you know, uh, subtract a big contract or two, uh, you know, it is significant when you come to the, um, you know, the trade deadline. And that's, that was why I was kind of surprised that they didn't do no, more non-tenders last year. Yeah. And I think, you know, they wanted to give right. Or they one didn't more. do any tender non-tenders. Right, true. Uh, you know, I think they want to give right another shot, hoping that he'd be able to bounce back from the knee. I think once the steroid suspension hit, it was just, you know, kind of almost the final straw and, and at a point where he wasn't healthy um, in the middle of the season. I saw a tweet, I think it was from Jason Mastrodonato from the Boston Herald that said, that he, uh, Stephen Wright, there's no new updates on the South. The Red Sox are going to cut bait anyway. So unclear what his next team, if there is a next team for the 35-year-old, will be dealing with in terms of health. I think he is a candidate. Um, that last check, it, they hadn't completely ruled out Tommy John surgery. He's one of the three Red Sox pitchers to have that PRP injection late in the season, along with uh, Chris Sale and Heath Henry. Obviously, Sale, the most important of those three. Uh, and Chris Smith, not Chris Sale, had an update this week, uh, an update, kind of non-update on the health of Chris Sale that he wrote. So, Chris, uh, what did you hear from the Red Sox front office about how things are going with Sale? Yeah, so it's just interesting because, you know, my my specific questions to two people, including, you know, acting GM or interim GM Eddie Romero was, has he, uh, you know, seen, has he gone to a follow-up uh, with Dr. Andrews? I was very specific in these questions, has he gone to a follow-up with Dr. Andrews? And, you know, if so, um, has he thrown yet? And, you know, I got an answer back that was basically, there's no new update from what we had been told, you know, at the September, whatever it was, September 30th, end of the year wrap-up press conference, where they told us that he hadn't thrown yet and he hadn't, there was no scheduled appointment yet. So I'm assuming that there's that that appointment is not still scheduled. If he's if that's what I'm being told, if everything's you know the same as it was that you know the day after the regular season ended, which if you go to the the day after the regular season ended, that was six weeks uh, from the initial appointment where Chris Sale had seen Doctor James Andrews, and if you look at the specifics in the um, in the press release that the Red Sox sent. Um, it doesn't say approximately six weeks. It doesn't say recommended six to eight weeks or four to six or whatever to get back to. It said that uh, Dr. Andrews recommended that he return in, you know, six weeks for for uh, um, for a follow up. 
And now we're at eight weeks, actually more than eight weeks, if you count the past couple of days since I wrote the thing. So um, it's interesting that there is nothing scheduled or he hasn't gone and, you know, he still hasn't thrown. And, you know, um, if why would they be hiding that if he if he's thrown, you know, they they wouldn't. So, um, you know, it makes me feel like he's not going to go to an appointment until he feels like not 100 percent, but until he feels like the no pain that he was feeling, you know, when he was shut down in the elbow. And so it just, it just makes me feel like he's still feeling something and they're not going to set up that appointment until he doesn't, you know, until he doesn't feel anything in that he can go in there and, you know, they can just look at it. He has no pain and they could say, Oh, begin throwing, but we'll see. I mean, as I've said many times, a PRP injection is often a precursor to Tommy John and uh, Otani had two PRPs before he's Tommy John. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, but it is interesting that, you know, that the, the no progress has been made in the past two weeks. You think something would have at least been set up. Yeah. And I think that not necessarily, you know, portends bad news, but I think it's, it's definitely, you know, that lack of positive news has not done anything to ease the worries of people who, who think that he could still go under the knife uh, before next season. So it's obviously a big question mark. The Red Sox must answer before uh, really embarking on their off season, whether they want to go out and, and try to get a good starter on a one-year deal. And it's going to be hard um, with with the threshold, or maybe make them a little bit more aggressive, trying to get a young, controllable starter, um, or maybe they won't do anything. Maybe they really do look at this as a bridge year uh, coming up, or something like that. But Chris Sale's health, no answers so far on that. David Price had that successful surgery to remove the cyst late in the season. Seems like he's you know no, no red flags on him. Nathan Valdi was more ineffective than unhealthy at the end of the year, but still uh, one of the biggest question marks going into the off season is you know those three. Uh, big pieces in the rotation something uh you know the red sox now as they really prepare for this offseason uh and they look at the rotation i think a big piece of that will be you know getting rotation depth today we said the red sox 40-man roster at least said goodbye to one of those guys who was thrust into duty because of the rotation's health josh smith was outrighted off the roster along with gorkas hernandez i wrote the other day in my my weekly notes column on thursday that they're like 15 players on the red sox who i mean to me just don't seem like, you know, major league players. Seems like guys that could be easy to cut. Stephen Wright was obviously one of them. Gorky Hernandez, Josh Smith. I mean, there there's a lot of other guys Chris that Owens. you'll probably Hmm? Chris, Chris Owens. Owens. Yeah. He wasn't he hasn't been cut yet somehow, but um, you know, there's a lot of these guys. Ryan Weber, uh, Trevor Kelly, I know they like, you know, what he can give you from his sidearm delivery, but uh, Hector Velasquez a candidate to be DFA'd. Uh, Shasin's going to be a free agent. Juan Centeno, Chris texted me the other day. He was a little higher on Juan Centeno than I am, but still a candidate to be cut. Sandy Leon could be non-tendered. Mitch Moreland, Brock Holt, Rick Porcello all departing in free agency. So you're going to have about 15 spots. And I think a really important piece of this, as we said, uh, three back end of the roster guys could cut today uh, from the 40-man right, Gorkis and Josh Smith. I think building that back end of the roster uh, to be able to at least be a little bit more effective um, in case, you know, of injury is going to be really important for whoever's running baseball operations in 2020. Yeah, it should be interesting that, like, you know, with the number of people that they can take off the roster, you know, rosters, I think, have to be set by November 20th, 40-man rosters. And that's the day where, you know, Rule 5 guys need to be protected. So you're going to add guys like Bobby Dahlback, and I wrote about it today, Bobby Dahlback, you know, CJ Chatham and, um, 
you know, certain guys like that. There's another um, reliever that they, you know, that they like a lot in the minor leagues that they will be at. So I would say about four, probably four tops will be added. Um, but I, Tomasi actually brought up a good po- a good point on early edition, or maybe it was in one of his columns that I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, look, look at this. They could, you know, this is a team that if they want to get a Rule 5 draft pick this year, you know, since they're trying to cut salary and everything or, or cut the cut the payroll, you know, th- there could be a Rule 5 guy that they add this year. So you're going to see some, you know, younger guys that they like with side from the minor leagues, uh, prospect, actual prospects like Dahlbeck get added, but also they could, you know, put that Rule 5 guy on maybe in December. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, we – you mentioned bridge year, which is interesting. And I think that, you know, they'll tell you that they can compete in any year. And that's true. Um, you know, so they're going to put a competitive team on the field. Um, but did you do everything to win this year? And that's the Red Sox bridge year. You know, they didn't do everything. You know, we're probably going to go into the season. Now, I mean, you know, Sam Kennedy said it many times that it's a mandate. Uh, to stay, it's not a mandate to stay under the 208. Mm-hmm. It's a goal. It's a goal. And he said that if they see things this offseason that they like that they don't know about yet, you know, in terms of free agent signings or potential trades or different things that they can do, then, you know, then it, it might benefit them to go over, um, you know. And so it, there's always that. But if they do stay under 208, and, you know, they have some younger guys on this roster and, and they get rid of Mookie Betts. I mean, they're you know, the top player on their team, you know, so that they can yep. slash salary. Um, then, yeah, it is a bridge year, but always, you know, it, it's a bridge year. And as I said, bridge year in Boston, you could still compete, um, but you didn't do everything you could to actually put the best team on the field to win the World Series. Right. And, uh, and, and that's obviously one of the bigger things that they'll be addressing in the upcoming days and weeks. Something that uh, has kind of caught my attention was a, a good article um, by Rob Bradford. Shameless plug. Uh, Rob had me on his podcast, The Bradford Show, the other night. So check that out. I went to WEI Studios, had a good time talking about the Red Sox with him. He wrote an interesting story earlier this week about how uh, there's really been zero progress in the GM search, and this is something that, you know, it's now October 18th as we're recording this, and that's almost three full weeks after the end of the season. We haven't heard any names who have the Red Sox have requested permission for. We haven't heard any guys in for interviews. It's been really, really nothing. I mean, all quiet. Uh, I think the way it looked, the Red Sox were aiming really high. Andrew Friedman, Theo Epstein, Mike Hazen were the types of guys they were looking at. Theo decided he's under contract. He's staying in Chicago, and it looks like Mike Hazen, who received a contract extension, and Andrew Friedman, who is on the verge of a contract extension, and Derek Falvey, who got an extension, are, are going to stay put. Um, so really, four of the big names we've seen linked to the Red Sox GM opening or President of Baseball Operations opening have not been fi- or have, have already gone elsewhere, and the Red Sox are kind of sitting here in this weird limbo. Rob Bradford suggested maybe they're aiming again for... Uh, an internal candidate. You know, we know John Henry said at the end of the year they wanted someone from the outside, but at this point, maybe someone internal looks more likely. So, uh, really, no news um, on the Red Sox, and they said they're not going to be commenting anymore throughout the process that they're done with that. And there has been no, you know, leaking of 
candidate names or interviews or anything, and maybe they're waiting for the postseason to end. But as we sit, we're less than a month from the um, GM meetings, which start November 10th. Chris and I are both going, but the Red Sox might not have a GM for us to interview, so we might get a nice four-day vacation to Scottsdale. Or they um, might have the the big four. Uh, I was thinking, you know, at some point we're going to have to send someone down to Fenway and, and just have them stake it out. You know, I mean, it's going to be you. Um, just to see if there's any of these executives coming in for interviews, because so far, so we yeah, can interview four people instead of just four. one. Yeah, or maybe those people will be permanent by then, or, or one of them will rise to the top of the permanent one. So at this point, I just think it's a little bit bizarre. And I also think that that question that was brought up amongst you know everybody right when the Dombrowski move was made, and then posed to John Henry and Tom Warner when we got to meet with them in that uh, private public private public meeting that we had that they couldn't decide what it was at the end of the season this question is are these big names scared off of taking this job and are they nervous about the turnover so far you know you've had andrew friedman say no theo epstein basically he's under contract different story Derek falvey goes gets extended and mike hazen stays with arizona that's four of your big names and and you think in previous years under different circumstances one of those four guys would want to come to boston at this point Seems like they're striking out. Yeah, I think I mean I think there is some truth to it. May have been overstated, you know, back then, you know, by some people, you know, that <laughs> don't exactly like John Henry. That were probably maybe feeding certain information to, to um, you know, get those reports out. Um, that's my guess, um, you know. But I think that there, it definitely has some, you know, it definitely has some truth to it. That you know, why would if you're Andrew Friedman and you know you have a nice job at the Dodgers you've you know obviously surprising that you you know were eliminated where you were this year but you've gone to back-to-back World Series and you know you've you have the number five system in baseball um you know you have everything at your you know everything right there the ownership you know likes you um, you're living in a great city of LA. Why leave to go to a place where they've had, you know, two GMs or two, you know, head of baseball operations get fired, um, you know, within two years after, or, or at least two years after they won world series. And so it just, it doesn't make sense for certain guys. And I think that, you know, you can also look at somebody like Bloom who's with, with the Rays. Well, yep. You know he's a candidate, but I mean he's he's a really impressive candidate. I mean he he's young. I think he's only like 36 years old, and is you know to post the resume that he has at such a young mm-hmm. age. But it's like, well, you need you need permission to talk to him from the Rays, and why would the Rays give you permission to talk to him? Yeah. And um, you know, I if I was the Red Sox, I'd also look at you know the assistant uh, the assistant GM to you know Jeff Lunau over Brandon at, Tobman. Yeah, and I'd look at some different people from their organization. I'd look at different people from the Rays organization just because they've had such success, yep. you know, developing starting pitching. And, you know, I'd look at some candidates that guys that have left, like, you know, Jared Porter um, that's over there with Hazen, right? He is with mm-hmm. Hazen, yeah. Yeah, in Arizona. And, yeah, and, and as I wrote about, I think that Romero, uh, Eddie Romero, who's one of the, you know, four interim GMs right now, or Brian O'Halloran can do the job. I mean, they've both been in this Red Sox organization. They've learned for years. They've learned from Epstein. They've learned from Ben Sherrington. They learned, 
you know, what not to do, what, what to do from all three, Mm -hmm. you know, president of baseball operations. And, you know, Ramiro's got a very good personality, you know, he's a very likable guy in, in that, and, you know, people like to talk and make trades and do things, you know, and and communicate around the league, fellow GMs with likable people, you yep. know. And so, um, you know, and he has obviously such a vast experience in, you know, international scouting. And, you know, he, he was also, you know, big into or, uh, you know, he, he was a valuable person in their amateur, uh, you know, um, amateur scouting around the United States as well. But, you know, his vast um, scouting background and international, you know, it's so important nowadays to have a good international department and get those guys. And so, I, I mean, I just, I think he could do the job and you could look at it where they hire somebody and then four, four, and then Romero goes to another team. He's hired as a GM for another, for another team. And you look at it four years down the line and you're like, Oh, is, is Romero able to, you know, if, if this new GM is out in four years, you're like, Oh, is, is Romero available to interview? Just like they're talking about Hazen right now, you know? Yep. I mean, so, so you have to be serious about your own candidates because, you know, those are the former guys like Mike Hazen that you wish you had back right now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that to me is, is a great question of, of are they willing to go back and go internal after they said they weren't, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people are, are very high on Eddie Romero. I thought a really interesting moment in that whole press conference was, um, you know, John Henry alluding to talking to Pete Abraham from the Boston Globe and saying, you know, I know there's a guy you keep talking about, as in Eddie Romero, and you keep writing about, but that guy's not likely because we want someone with uh, GM experience. And that was a really kind of moment that went underrated um, in that. But that kind of said to me that maybe Romero won't be the guy. Now it seems like the chances of that have increased. Uh, we'll end with this kind of on a shorter week here at the Red Sox Beat Podcast. These playoffs have, have kind of told me two things about the Red Sox. Number one, Alex Cora talking about, you know, let's just get in. We just want to dance, whatever. I don't know if that was your question or someone else's, but, you know, let's dance. That was dance. my question. Congrats, you did it. Let's uh, dance. <laughs> yeah, let's dance, he said. We just want to get into the postseason. Anything could happen. Kind of proven by his... Um, his friend, fellow uh, Puerto Rican native Davey Martinez with the Nationals, the Nationals in an improbable run to the World Series, as we've seen. And, um, you know, that kind of does prove to you, maybe if the Red Sox got in, something crazy could happen. But in my mind, looking at and seeing that the Astros and the Yankees and the ALCS, everybody always expected, I don't think that they would have been able to get past either of those teams. And um, maybe Dave Dombrowski was right for not adding someone um, because they... They didn't want to get. He didn't want to give up more prospects for a chance to to go against these two dominant teams. And and though the Astros, at this point, you know, look like they're they're the favorite, obviously up three one to win the series. The, the Yankees and the Astros are two juggernauts, really, really, really good teams. Who, um, you know, I think I'd take either one of them over Washington in the World Series. I don't see if the Red Sox could have competed with them over a seven game series. Now I'm just seeing how it's gone, and um, maybe Dombrowski made the right move there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when you mentioned Davey Martinez, that's actually the person that I wrote back uh, two years ago that should get hired as the Red Sox manager. I was always a big Dave Martinez fan from mm-hmm. his days as the uh, Rays bench coach. But never mind that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, you look at things and in, in the way that, that 
you know, the playoffs have gone and, you know, Alex Cora said, you know, just dance, anybody can win and whatnot. Um, things have played out kind of in the National League like that. I mean, everybody didn't, no one expected the Nash, or the, the Dodgers to lose in the LDS. Yep. And I really didn't expect the Nationals to win just because their bullpen isn't good at all. And it looked like they were going to have to overuse their starting pitchers in that kind of rover role. Um, and so I, I wasn't expecting that, but yeah, when you looked at the, you know, when you looked at the experience of, of the Houston Astros and the Yankees, you just felt like this was going to be the ALCS. I mean, these two teams were in the ALCS in 2017. Houston has been to three ALCSs and won a world series during that time. And, Mm -hmm. and obviously these, you know, you look at the way these teams are built, um, you know, it's a lot of homegrown talent. Uh, from both teams and the Yankees have done a good job over the past, you know, five years or so of not going in out or what, what, I don't know. I guess over the past couple of years of not going out and signing the huge contract, getting guys like DJ LeMayu, um, that are cheaper guys that, you know, overperform from what the rest of the league thinks they would, you know, instead of going out and getting Manny Machado last season, they went out and got, DJ instead of going out and getting a starting pitcher when there wasn't, you know, great starting pitchers on, on the market last year and overpaying for a starting pitcher, you know, they, they just decided, you know what, we're going to beef up our bullpen instead. We're not going to force any deals. And I think that's important. I mean, obviously they need a starting pitcher right now, and that's probably why they're going to lose this series to the Astros is because they're, you know, they, they could have used, you know, Garrett, Garrett Cole, mm-hmm. they're probably going to sign in the off season and then they'll oh, probably the win the world series. <laughs> well, whatever, but you know what I mean? I mean, they didn't force things. And so, yeah, I mean, they're probably not going to win the world series this year because they didn't force anything, but they're also not going to, you know, have a bad contract for years and years to come with a pitcher that, you know, may have probably not helped in the World Series anyway this year because mm-hmm. the Astros are the better team. So I think that whatever GM comes into the Red Sox organization, um, you know, needs to think in that sort of way. And that's really the kind of the new mold of thinking in the GM. It's it's paying for, you know, not paying as much for past production as paying for what what we project from this player in the future and that's a real you know um you know a a real difference in the market you know from five years ago yep totally and uh and we've seen now these two teams have emerged as serious serious contenders for years to come in the american league the red Sox at this point can only hope that they will get back after a year missing the playoffs that was chris smith from mass live i'm chris cotillo from mass live we had some big news at our company this week want to extend our congratulations to one of our friends on the Red Sox beat who will now be leaving the beat to join us at Mass Live. Yet another Chris, Chris Mason, coming over from the Lawrence Eagle Tribune to be the Patriots beat writer uh, for Mass Live. So uh, congrats to Chris. We All we needed was a third Chris on staff. This is actually you know, big news for Mass Live spring training plans, and Mason won't be living with us for the second straight year. So a lot in limbo there, but uh, another Chris at Mass Live. And uh, I know you've heard, you guys have heard enough from the two of us tonight. Um, we, we won't add a third one into uh, one of these shows just yet. So that's the Red Sox Beat Podcast. Thank you, Chris, and we'll see you next week.